Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, welcome everyone. Everybody have a lot of turkey? Raise your hand if you ate too much turkey. It's okay. Confession is good for the soul. Uh, anybody non-turkey, you got to have ham. Anybody have ham? Okay, we got some ham people down here. All right. Everybody, uh, okay, here's the age-old question. Stuffing or potatoes? Stuffing? Okay, potatoes, both. All right, good. We got a lot of carbohydrate-laden people here. We're glad you're here today. I'm excited about this series um, and looking forward to what we're going to be able to do during this this series. Why is it called Christmas Letters? Well, uh, when I was approaching this season and beginning to pray and look at this season, I noticed something, I don't know, maybe for the first time. During Advent, we tend to do the lectionary readings. If you're not familiar with the lectionary, it's what uh, churches around the world who follow a liturgy um, they read these passages. So we're joining with our Orthodox brothers and sisters, our Catholic brothers and sisters, some of our Methodists and Episcopalians and Lutherans and around the world. They'll all be reading these same passages and they read an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a New Testament letter and a gospel passage. And so we've read our Old Testament. Uh, the Osh family did that beautifully. And then we've read our gospel, and Deidre did a great job. But I began to think, it seems like when we come to Advent and Christmas, we love to read the Old Testament passages. They're usually a prophet, you know, like today it was Jeremiah, you know, talking about the coming one, the righteousness of God. And uh, and then the gospel passages, because it's just kind of... And I thought, you know, those letters get left out all the time. Or we just read through them and we just kind of gloss over them. I said, what if we focused and we had a time where we looked at the Christmas letters, the epistles that Paul and Peter and and some of them wrote during this time. And what do they have to say to us during this season? And isn't it wonderful? We have someone here who's an artist, Anne White, and she loves to make banners. And so every week... She has created banners that have our scripture, our letter, our, our Christmas letter for this, this week. And so if uh, you, we'll have it on the screen, but of course, you can just read along right there, right there on those banners. Isn't that beautiful? Will we say thank you to Anne. Thank you, Anne, for using your gift. But let's turn now to Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians. And let's hear our Christmas letter for today. This comes from Paul, and we'll read more and hear more about this in just a second. But I want us to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and we'll begin at verse 9. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. 
May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. All right, well. The thrill of hope. Today we lit the candle of hope and there's part of this season that that is so full of that thrill of hope. There's always that anticipation that that what I'm hoping for will come true. Yesterday at about 12 noon, there were a bunch of people in Michigan who had a lot of hope. And they not only saw the thrill of hope, they saw the thrill of the clicker working. They saw the thrill of victory. Yes, good stuff. But when I was a kid, this was the thrill of hope. Yes, that's right. I know it's my semi-centennial. I'm going to remember that, Steve. I've said it four times, five times now. This was the height of the thrill of hope. The 19, this is the 1980. I still remember this. I was only nine years old. I still remember that cover. When I saw it pop up in my Google images, I'm like, oh, yes, the thrill of hope. The J.C. Penney catalog. How many of you are old enough to remember the catalogs? Before Amazon, you couldn't wait for this thing to come in the mail. And it was giant. It was thick. It was like a phone book. And you would flip straight through all the clothes because you didn't want any of those for Christmas. And you would go right back into the toy section. And you would see things like this. Let's move to that next slide. Look at those toys. I mean, look at Captain America's Corvette. I should have had Mike up here ready to play on that wah pedal. You know, you can just hear the 70s ringing out. The early 80s. Or maybe you weren't into those things. Maybe you were into the next slide, into Star Wars. Oh, yeah. I I have some of those toys. Jackson has them now. Plays with them. They've been through my nephews and through my son. And, uh, I mean, the hope that was there. But maybe today you are hoping for something more. Hoping. It's kind of working. What are you hoping for that's more? Maybe like Jeremiah Proclaimed in our Old Testament reading, you're hoping for the one who will come and bring justice and righteousness into the world. Or to see that flourish more in the world. I don't know what is going on in your life, in your world, but maybe you are longing and hoping that justice will come. Maybe for some of you, it's more like, oh, I just wish the end would get here. And you're thinking about that gospel passage where Jesus is talking about the day of the Lord and, and what will happen when all the evil structures are dismantled and God's rule and reign comes on earth as it is in heaven when that, that Lord's prayer is finally fulfilled. Maybe for some of you, and I just want to take a moment here, for some of you, you just can't wait for the holiday season to pass because it reminds you of things that have been taken from you or someone who has been taken from you, and you're just really not into the season right now. May I say to you today, there is still something to hope for. And I hope you'll see that because First Thessalonians really is a letter of hope 
and we need to jump into this. I think it has just such a great Advent message for us, this Christmas letter for us. But before we dive in, we need to understand something about Thessalonica. Uh, you want to say that word with me, don't you? Ready? It's a city. One, two, three. Thessalonica. We'll only say it once. Thessalonica. It's a fun word to say. And Paul, we see, if you want to, you can flip over to Acts chapter 17. And we're, we hear about Thessalonica. And Paul and Silas uh, are on a missionary journey. And, uh, and Luke writes for us there in verse 1. When they had passed through Amph- Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Where there was a Jewish synagogue, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. And on three Sabbath days, so that means 21 days, he was in Thessalonica. And on three separate Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And something happened. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. So Paul goes in, they proclaim, they spend those 21 days being among the people of Thessalonica. And they reason in the synagogues each time that they would gather. And Paul just goes through the scriptures. And guess what? People respond and place their their trust in Jesus, the Messiah. And it wasn't just Jews only, but it was Greeks and prominent women that, that are gathering in this little church. And you'd love to think this is wonderful, but if you were to read on, you'll see that it also stirred up some trouble. That when people say, in a in a place where there's a dictatorship... When people say Jesus is Lord and not Caesar is Lord, it begins to stir up problems. And persecution begins in such a a great way that Paul and Silas actually have to flee. And that leaves them worried and wondering about this little church that is planted that was just getting its roots down when they had to get out of there. And so eventually they send Timothy back to Thessalonica to find out what's going on because they're hearing that the persecution is really ramping up for this little church. And Timothy brings back a report that things are going so well. That's a shock. That in the midst of persecution, this little tiny, just barely started church flourishes. That there's something that's unshakable in this little church. And they're continuing to live out their faith in the midst of persecution. And so Paul wants to write a letter back to them. And this letter is filled with hope. It's, it's amazing. He doesn't just rest and say, oh, okay, well, they're doing great. They're surviving. Wonderful. We can get on with our business. No, he wants to send a letter back. And Jackson and I have been listening to this uh, Bible Project podcast on our way to school, and we've been, they've been talking about the letters. And uh, did you know that to write a letter back then was, was pretty expensive? Like, because you'd have to hire somebody who was able to do that. You'd have to get, you couldn't just go to Kinko's or, and, you know, Xerox something. You, you, you had to have somebody who could use up all of that paper, who could write really small. And there might be some things that they would have to do. Some say that the book of Romans, the letter to the church at Romans, may have cost as much as $3,500 in our day and age. Can you imagine sending a $3,500 email? 
That's, that's pricey. That's the value Paul saw, Paul saw in seeing that this church was thriving and saying, no, I want to send something back to them. I want to spend money and time, and I want to send something to encourage them. He was seeing that they were thriving, but he wants them to, he, he saw that they were surviving. They had survived, but he wanted them to thrive. And so he sends this letter, and it's two sections, really. And he connects it with three prayers. He begins with a prayer. He ends with a prayer. And guess what? Connects the two sections. Our little prayer today. He saw that they, see if I can get that, that they were able to survive the persecution. And now he wants them to thrive. So I want us to look at seven things that Paul knows are necessary in order to thrive. And they come right out of these densely packed two verses. So if you want to open your Bibles and look, get some paper out, uh, you're going to want to write these down. Because these, this comes to us in this Christmas letter, this prayer that has so much packed right into it. And they all begin with the letter S. So we're sponsored by the letter S today. I want you to look at this. The first thing that Paul says in this prayer is that it is God who starts any work that happens. Look, look where he writes there in, uh, in verse 12. Uh, uh, I'm in Acts. That's not going to be helpful. Here we go. Verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. So this isn't something that you're just going to sit around and, oh, I just need to get into the Spirit. Maybe if I stare at the Christmas wreath or the Christmas tree, I'll sense that love coming up inside of me. No, this is something, whatever is going to happen within the church or within your life, you need to remember one thing. It is God who makes something start. It is God who starts the work. And that includes whatever this, th- this is that Paul is going to pray towards this little church. It is God who starts the work. Second, let's move to that next slide. It is God who super increases our ability. So he not only starts the work, but he super increases your ability and my ability. I want you to look at this because we're going to see a couple of words. Those words that are in your scripture that he, that he writes. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow. Here we go couple of Greek words. Are you ready? Let's go to that first one, James. First word that we're going to say is the word pleonasai. Ready? One, two, three. Pleonasai. Let's say it one more time so you just feel special. One, two, three. Pleonasai. And a third time so it gets into your subconscious. Ready? One, two, three. Pleonasai. What does pleonasai mean? I know it's in, 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 uh, interpreted increase, but there's really a strong emphasis in pleonasai. It's more than just making it increase. It's more than just going from two to three or three to four. Pleonasai has this idea of to super abound, to augment in a super way. I mean, maybe we're thinking about the Incredible Hulk or something, you know. Just that it's not just you know we're increasing a little bit. We are super increasing. And when God starts a work, God can super increase our ability. It makes me think of my motorcycle, my old motorcycle, because I sold it and turned it into a washer and dryer. <laughs> this motorcycle I received or I, I got when I was turning 40. And on paper, this motorcycle is a Harley Sportster 883. So it's kind of the entry-level 
Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Now, if you're looking at it and you know anything about Harley-Davidson's, you can see that this bike is kind of, well, I called it the Franken-bike because part of it was a fat boy and part of it was a trike for a while. And it just had all kinds of different parts in it. But one of the things that happened was that that 883 cylinder, and now, I, you know, if you're a mechanic, um, please forgive me for my uh, lack of knowledge here. All I know is that it was bored out so the pistons were bigger. And let me tell you, it play on a side the power of that little bike. Because that 883 would move down the freeway. And because it was expanded, because it had been super increased in power, it was able to do things that no little 883 Harley Davidson should be able to do. I won't tell you how fast I drove it, because that would be a crime. But this is the work that God starts. When God starts that, God super increases, bores out to super increase our ability. But what does God uh, then do? The other word that's there is the word perisusai. You want to say that with me, right? It's kind of fun to say. One, two, three, perisusai. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three, perisusai. And one more time for your subconscious so you dream about it. One, two, three. Perisusai. Perisusai has this idea to overflow, to exceed measure. So overflow is good, but sometimes we just think of like, oh, I filled my cup too much. And while I was walking back to the television set, some of it spilled on the ground. No, perisusai is, is like the other word. It's like pleonsai. Uh, it is a word that means super increase. It's overflowing. Think of a river overflowing its banks. Think of a flood. Thinking of something that's just moving out and moving over. These words are so much more than just increase and overflow. It's when God starts a work, God super increases our abilities so that it's like a river overflowing its bank or a motorcycle able to have the, the, the width of the pistons expanded so that more can come out of that. This is what God does. This is what Paul is praying will happen for that little church so that it will move from just surviving to thriving. So we begin to see this. What will then God cause to superabound and overflow like a river? What is it? Self-sacrificial love. Now the Greek word there, you probably already know. It's the Greek word agape. But sometimes when that's translated and we translate it as love, we have a little problem in English. Because you can love pizza and you can love your mom. And if you love your mom as much as you love pizza, your mom's probably going to be offended. Unless you really, really love pizza. But the type of love that Paul says, may God do the work and super increase your ability is agape. The love that is self-sacrificing, if you need an example, then it's the actions of Jesus who constantly went to not the rich and the powerful, but to those 
who could offer nothing in return. And he invested in them. And he poured in them. And he didn't just talk about agape. He modeled agape. He even washed the feet of his disciples, which is something that no one back then would do. Jesus did that. And so Paul says, if you want to move from surviving to thriving, then you need to remember it is God who starts the work. And when God starts the work, he super increases your ability, your ability, my ability to take on the actions of Jesus, to move into self-sacrificing love and all the actions that flow from there. And then that self-sacrificing love then moves into serving each other. And everyone. Serving each other and everyone. And at first, I was really going to focus on serving everyone. Because I thought, well, that sounds like the harder thing to do. But then it was almost like the Holy Spirit slapped me on the back of the head and said, Have you ever been to church? Sometimes the place where we need the work of God to come and super increase our ability to have self-sacrificing love is with the people you've been going to church with for 30 years. That we may have not spoken to because 22 years ago they said something or did something. And maybe church today in 2021 as we move into the new year, as we begin to look towards hope, maybe we need God to start the work of super-increasing our ability to move into self-sacrificing love for one another. Wouldn't that be a Christmas miracle? To begin to let God work here towards someone Who's right here. And when that begins to happen, then the things that our teenagers modeled today begins to happen. That self-sacrificing love begins to move out into our communities in the way that we give, in the way that we serve, in the way that we relate like Jesus related to people who could offer nothing in return except their companionship and their friendship. Is this, my friends, is this, my friends online, what you're hoping for? That God would move you from surviving to thriving by starting the work. Super increasing your ability to live in self-sacrificing love for each other and for everyone. That's a tall order, isn't it? How is that going to happen? How are we going to serve each other? How are we going to serve everyone? Let's move to that next slide, James. How is this going to take place? Well, verse 13 lets us know, and we'll move through this quickly. It says, may he strengthen. So again, we're already back to point one. God's going to do the work. This isn't something you're going to work yourself up to. It's something you pray that God will do in you. That he will strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God the Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Let's look at these very quickly. First, it is he who will strengthen. I want you to see this word strengthen because we think of working out. But really that word is the word, let's go one more time, stay ridzai. Let's say it just once because we got to move. Ready? One, two, three. Stay ridzai. And stay ridzai has the understanding of, move to the next slide, James. 
to make steady and to make firm. I think of this one time we were playing uh, Frisbee in a park when I was about 12 or 13. And uh, there were some big trees in this park. And I was not paying attention as I was running to get the Frisbee. And I hit the tree. And the tree was Steridzai. I remember picking myself up off the ground, and I'm like, man, you'd think as fast as I was running, it would have given a little bit. But no, it was steridzai. It was steady. It was firm. And Paul says, if you want to move from surviving to thriving, then you need to pray that God makes your heart steady and firm like a tree. That's the kind of strength we're talking about. And that's what only God can do. And then... You are invited. I I think we went too far, James. Go back one. Then the next thing that God does is God sanctifies. Look at that, those words we have here. May God strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy. Now that may scare some of you because you know yourself and you look in the mirror. But we at Cross Community Church and in the Church of the Nazarene, believe that God is so committed to human beings that He's not only going to start a work that super increases your ability to live in self-sacrificing love, to serve those who are near and those who are far, but He can so make your heart firm that you are counted blameless and holy. I want to say that again. You can be considered blameless and holy. Blameless. I was like, I I should see what that word means. What does blameless mean? It means without blame. It's not that hard. And holy. To live in right relationship with nothing between you and God. And that holiness begins to bleed out to where that self-sacrificing love of Jesus that God has super increased and made your heart capable of standing firm in begins to flow out of you to those who are near to you and those who are far from you. And we believe the good news, the Christmas hope that God can start and complete that work in you. Yes, you, even you. That's good hope. The problem is, is that so many of us, and I've seen this and I know you have too, is that sometimes we take that blameless and holy title and we wear it on our shirt like a badge. But blameless and holy are something that describe sacrifice. And if you were to take time, and I won't do it today in the Old Testament, you will see that the sacrifice that was to help someone move into the presence of a holy God was to be blameless and was to be holy and to to move us into that. And we believe that Jesus became that blameless, holy sacrifice that opened up the way for all of humanity to be in God's presence. That's what we're going to celebrate at Christmas. It's not just about a cute baby in a manger. But it's about God's plan to make you and me super able to live in self-sacrificial love, serving others 
and to move into being blameless and holy, but not so you can wear it as a badge and say, look at me and how blameless and holy I am, but no, to remember that's what sacrifice is. And so you and I are called, let's move James to the next slide, you are called to surrender, that your life then becomes a continual surrender to this God who is doing the work of super-increasing your heart to live in the flow of self-sacrificial love, that agape love, so that you can serve those who are near and those who are far. And as God continues to strengthen your heart to be able to, to be capable of that, you move to become blameless and holy so that you can continue to empty your life so that God can start the work again and continue to stretch and expand even more to bore out that heart that's capable of more sacrificial love. Do you see how this goes? This is the hope that Paul wants this little church to understand. And it rolls down through time to you and to me today that as we sit here on this first Sunday of Advent and light a candle of hope, we pray that God will start this work in us. So my friends, let me ask you today this question. It hit me. This, I wrote this in my journal. When was the last time you prayed that God would super increase your ability to love and serve everyone instead of label or scapegoat them? You may want to write that down or take a picture of it. I'm going to invite you to let the Holy Spirit wrestle that through with you this week. When was the last time you prayed that God would super increase your ability to love and to serve everyone instead of label and scapegoat them? Wow. What are you waiting for? I love this quote that I read this week from Carl Henry. The, church, the early church didn't say, look what the world's coming to. That's scapegoating. They said, look what has come into the world. That's love and serving. That's super abounding in the self-sacrificial love that God can make your heart firm in. Wow. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a church that constantly looked out the doors and said, look what has come into the world. Or maybe more importantly, look who has come into the world. And went and let God do that kind of work in them. Again, my friends, when was the last time you prayed that God would super increase your ability to love and serve everyone instead of label and scapegoat them? What are you hoping for? this Advent and Christmas season. Friends, today is not only my semi, and I've already forgotten it, my semi-centennial. I think I'm just denying the centennial part. It's not only my semi-centennial, it's not only my 50th birthday, this is my 13th anniversary as your pastor. And And I hope we have many more years together to do this. But I want to speak to you as your pastor today because this prayer comes from the heart of a pastor who was so glad and relieved that the little church he had founded, and I didn't found this one, I'm not that old, that he had founded that was under persecution had survived. And, and folks, this little church that we call Cross Community Church, which is now here and online, 
God has helped us to survive. We've survived tensions. We've survived splits. We've survived a pandemic so far. We have survived. And I am so grateful for that. And I'm so thankful for that. But as your pastor, I want us to look, I want to look you in the eyes with as much love as I can muster and say, but do we want, just want to survive? Do we just want to survive the next 13 or 14 or 15 years together? Or, like Paul, do we want to thrive? Do we want to begin to move? Do we want to pray, really pray that God will begin to do the work in us that will super increase our ability to live in self-sacrificing love for one another, which might mean that some of us have to learn and let God shape us and, and teach us how to forgive one another and then see that loving kindness and that service grow out into our world. Are we ready? Are we just going to hang around and survive? Or are we going to pray that God makes our hearts firm enough to hold on to blamelessness, to be sanctified so that we cannot wear it as a badge, but so that we can surrender more and see more of that super increase come into it. Do you want to survive or do you want to thrive? Folks, I want to say on my 13th anniversary, I don't want to just survive. We're called to thrive. And God has provided every resource for you and for me and for us together to thrive, to really live. Will we begin to pray the prayer that Paul wrote that connects this little tiny letter? There's more for us to lean into. And it will take a lifetime. So let's lean in. What are you hoping for? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want you to take a moment. And just ask God. God, am I surviving or am I thriving? And if the answer in your heart of hearts is, yeah, you're surviving, but there's more. And if this prayer has spoken to your heart and somehow you just kind of sense I want to surrender more to God. I want God to do the work in me. And I'm going to invite you wherever you are today in the sanctuary. And I I know, seven minutes over. But I want to invite you to come and find a place to pray. If you're worried about social distancing, that's okay. Try and stay six feet apart here. If there's not enough space at the altar, you can use these front pews. But church, as we enter into 2022, do we want to just survive? Or do we want to thrive? So if you feel God is saying something 
to your heart and you want to move towards thriving, then I'm going to invite you to come and to kneel and to pray. You can look right up on these banners and just make that prayer your own. This is my prayer that my love may abound more and more in knowledge and insight. If that's you, you come. Some are coming right now. Don't wait. Just come right now. We're not going to belabor this. The Holy Spirit is either speaking or He's not. But church, do you want to thrive? Or do you just want to survive? If you want to thrive, just go ahead and come right now. We're not going to sing anything. I'm just inviting you to come. To come and say yes to what God is calling you to. What God can do. Super increase my ability to love those here and those out. I need to be my heart to be expanded, to be bored out, to be made strong and steadfast. If that's you, come now. Come now. Don't wait. Today's the day where thriving begins. Today's the day. What a beautiful Christmas gift. You come now. Father, we're so grateful for those who have responded. And I trust because I know you never give up on calling people out of just surviving so that they can thrive. And so I pray like Pastor Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. May you begin the work in my heart and in us together as a church. That you will super increase our ability to live in self-sacrificing love to look and to serve like you did to those who are near and to those who are far away. God, make our hearts firm that we might be blameless and holy. Sanctify us so that we might learn the lifestyle of surrendering to you and begin to see your Spirit filling up the space that we might thrive no matter what comes our way. God, I pray that those who have responded would sense that you are fulfilling, you are beginning that work right now. You're expanding their hearts. Pray that they would surrender themselves to you. And may they experience right now the truth of Scripture that we can be made blameless and holy in your sight. Sanctify them, we pray. God, we're grateful for this Christmas letter. May it send us out in our world with hope. Hope not just to survive, but to thrive. For we pray this in the name of the one who made it all possible. The name of the one who was blameless and holy and surrendered his life on our behalf. We pray these things sanctifying name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand and receive this Advent blessing? And now, my friends, my brothers and sisters, may you see God start the work in you so that you don't just survive, but you thrive. May he super increase and overflow your ability 
to live in self-sacrificing love that you might serve those who are near and far. May he strengthen, make firm your hearts that you might be sanctified, blameless, and holy and learn how to surrender to more of his work every day. I pray that you'll go in his name. I pray that you will go in his blessing and be light in our dark world. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.